It's the Lowdown on Sports 1440. Driven by Wolf GMC Buick. Hurry in for GMC's Joy to the Ride event. No payment for 90 days on every new in-stock 2023 GMC and Buick. Ask for details, plus get up to $4,000 in Christmas cash. Nice. All right, we're joined now by our friend Bagged Milk from Oilers Nation. Have we done the, has the dog done the routine yet? Do we know the prediction yet? Not yet, Al. Uh, I've got him studying. You know, Jason Greger just posted his game notes out at OilersNation.com, so I've got him reading through those, making sure that he's prepared, that he knows the stats, he knows the opponents. There's a lot of thought that goes into these, Al, and uh, my boy's no slouch on the details. I've asked you this before, but i got to ask you again. Do you cook the books at all by maybe putting one treat closer to him than another? No, no, I haven't. And actually, I've had plenty of people over the years that I've been doing this bit watch me do it, and it just kind of – he just kind of sits there and waits for his trigger word, and whichever direction he decides to go that day is the direction he decides to go. No leading from my end. This is as pure of a choice as a dog can possibly make when it comes to picking a winner. What it tells me awesome. is that people love to see dogs eat food, and and when he meanders over there, I'm sure I'm like hell for him. Well, you know, I think we all are. I think it's important to have uh, a little dose of positivity in our lives, and who doesn't want to see a handsome dog face staring back at them while they wait for me to say two specific words that allows him to go get a snack. So <laughs> he's a very good boy. He's a patient boy, and he always puts up with me for a solid 45 seconds before he gets to eat something. So the, I'm grateful for it. He's the best of boys. Okay, uh, they the orders. I'm not going to say they need this because they've needed every game really since mid-November. And they need this one. But such a great start to December, 4-0. Blooms off the rose a little bit, but they're still, you know, if they win tonight, uh, going into the break, they'll have, you know, five wins uh, in, a, in a month that, that they really need to make some hay. How important is this game tonight for the Oilers to win? Uh, it's hugely important. And I think that tomorrow's game against the Rangers is equally as important. I'm going to, you know, our friend Reed Wilkins, friend to everybody else, he tweeted out a stat after the game the other night that over the last 21 games, you have had a four-game losing streak, a three-game win streak, a three-game losing streak, obviously the eight-game win streak, and now they're back on a three-game losing streak. So they can't let this slide. They can't let this continue because as I'm looking today before this afternoon's games have started – they're seven points out of a wild card spot going into the Christmas break. So they need not just tonight's win against New Jersey. We saw them have some success a couple of weeks ago, but they need to find a way to win tomorrow. These we're, we're, We've got time left in the year until we don't have a whole lot of time left on the year. So we're, we're quickly approaching the midway point on the NHL season, and we need to start picking up some wins. So, uh, yeah, I'm with you. Tonight's is hugely important. They need this win. Two questions. Your thoughts on Connor Brown, uh, likely a healthy scratch and your thoughts on running Pickard tonight yeah I mean the Connor Brown one really doesn't surprise us right like if you take outside if you look take the contract away for a second and I know that's difficult for us so others fans we like to focus on these details but if we take the contract out for just a minute and look at the look at what's in black and white through 23 games he has one assist and is minus 10 that's just not good enough. And if it was anybody else on the roster producing that little or those kind of numbers or just zeros across the board like that, they would probably get some time in the press box. 
And I think that Connor Brown's time has come. I think it's deserved. I understand, uh, you know, according to Frank Saravalli today on Tyler Remchuk's show, Oilers Nation every day, that he's upset about the move, which you would expect. I don't expect him to be happy about being healthy scratch, but ultimately he needs to get going. Um, between there's a group of four players that I was just kind of digging into it for some year review stuff between Connor Brown, Warren Fogel, Ryan McLeod, Matthias Yanmark, the others have spent nearly $10 million, including the bonuses for only seven total goals between that group. And that's, that's just nowhere near good enough right now. And unfortunately a big part of that number is Connor Brown's contract, not this year specifically, but when you include the bonus and uh, it's unfortunate, but it's a very results-driven business. And what have you done for me lately, Connor Brown? And unfortunately, the answer is not a whole lot. So uh, I'm not surprised to, to see that. And as for the second part of the question, is that confirmed? Pickard's getting the start tonight, Al? Yeah. Yeah. I did not see that coming, if I'm being honest. Um, I think that the game against the Islanders, I'm not going to say that Stu's fantastic or anything like that. He did have a sub-900 save percentage, but ultimately I think that some of those goals, I don't know what more he could have done a little bit. Um, so I'm, I'm honestly surprised about that. I'm, curi- I'm curious to know Chris Knobloch's logic. We're going back to Pickard this quickly. I, honestly, I'm very surprised to learn that. I, I think you, you're, you, you sort of hit on something there because I was surprised too. I thought the first goal, you want him to squeeze that. The other two were really good passes and, and not great defending. And I don't think the goalie had a chance. It doesn't matter. It's what the organization thinks. And we were kicking around the idea of John Gibson uh, last hour. He's got a 919 save percentage at five on five. He does have a long contract. It's 6.4 million times three after this year. He's 30. If they could find a way to trade Campbell, Broberg, and maybe the first for John Gibson, is that something you ponder, look at, or reject outright? I would certainly ponder it. I think that the cap hit is a little bit concerning on John Gibson, though the stats that you just rattled off are certainly an upgrade over what we're getting in net right now. I think the answer is that they have to do something, and they're going to have to get creative if they're going to find a goalie that is, you know, an upgrade over what they've currently got. It seems like Campbell is not going to be that guy, and obviously I don't know anything apart from what you and I get to read online, but it seems that the struggles down in Bakersfield are now kind of – coming to a point where they don't know if it's repairable. If I'm reading the tea leaves and I'm reading between the lines, even on Bob Stoffer's uh, hit between periods against the Islanders, they got to get Olivier Rodrigue in there. And now Campbell's kind of being relegated to the backup role in the AHL, and that's nowhere near what we would have expected from him this year. So if it's John Gibson or if it's otherwise, the Oilers are going to have to get creative here to get a goalie that can actually stick and actually be an upgrade for them between the pipes. And, and I think that it's nice to be patient, but like I said, we've got some time until we don't have some time. So I, I'm fascinated to see how this plays out. I wish I had a better answer for you than that, but ultimately it's just kind of uh, the pressure's on. The pressure's really, really on the organization to get this right, and that's a big swing if you're talking about Campbell, Broberg, and a first to get John Gibson and what's left of that contract, but ultimately you may need to, and uh, currently Gibson has a modified no-trade clause, so we'll see how that would factor into the equation, but um, yeah, they need an answer in that because we're losing too many games because of goaltending right now, and I'm not saying that's necessarily the case from the Islanders game, but it is a problem that we've been facing all season, and it's, it's got to stop. Well, and I wonder, Mag Milk, our guest from Owners Nation, we were also talking about the fact that maybe you, you have to do it before the deadline. This might be a January deal. Get it done. Yeah. 
I, I think you have to get it done. And I don't know that because you know what? If you wait till the deadline, the reality is that's what it, the deadline is the first week of March, if I remember yep. correctly. No, By late. then, it could be too late. Yeah. You know, you could be sellers at that point. And I, I just don't think that the organization wants to get there. I mean, they already fired Jay Woodcroft 13 games into the season. You can tell that they're feeling pressure on the management level. Why would you want to wait an additional two months and change here to get a goaltending solution when you may be way out of it by then if you wait that long? Yeah, it's, it is um, like, it's funny for me because it's not a pressure point that we thought would occur, but. You know, if they, and I'm not saying Gibson's the problem or, or the solution, and I'm not saying that it would cost them all of that. But if they traded first Campbell, Broberg, for Gibson and something else on each side to make the money work, and they won the Stanley Cup, I think most Oiler fans would be content with the trade. 100%. Yeah, I think so. And, you know, you look at some teams kind of, and in different situations, I understand that, and different players being acquired, I totally get that. But you look at some of the moves that are happening in Vancouver right now, they've been very, very active. They've found a way to move some money around here in season. So uh, I know that no team out there is trying to help us right now, and they're not throwing life vests or throwing anchors at the Oilers when these calls come through, but they got to find a way. This is, this is, you know, Ken Holland is the highest-paid GM in the league, and he needs to kind of kind of make something happen to kind of earn that right now. And who knows how how many decisions he's he's, he's making right now with Jeff Jackson on top of him and in the last year of his deal. But ultimately, they need to make something. I'm with you, Al. You can't wait until the trade deadline to find a solution here. You have to go out swinging. The last thing I want to see is the other striking out with the bat on their shoulder. And right now, that's kind of out there. They're at a two count right now. So we'll see what happens. But there's certainly pressure to find a solution. And I think it's going to be sooner than later. And when you when you want to rebuild the picks will be there. It'll be down the line, right? And it's the it's the old Warren Zevon song. I'll sleep when I'm dead. You might as well, you know, make the move if you think it's the right one, and then let the pieces fall where they may. And if you're Holland, you know, you don't have a contract next year anyway. Well, that's just it, right? Mine, where I get nervous about that is I don't know that Ken Holland, and I know he's a different situation and a different GM, but I also remember, you know, I've been around long enough to remember Peter Shirelli on his way out and the deals and the signings that he was making in the last weeks and months of his tenure here. So I am nervous about that, but at the same point, I'm much more nervous about wasting a season this important for this franchise. So he's got work to do, and we need to get to it. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be very interesting. Um, I didn't like the top line being broke. I understood it. I wasn't, you know, railing against the coaching staff because you had to get Leon Dreisaitl going, that line going. But it's good to see them back, right? Because that that line is the hottest in the National Hockey League. And if they win tonight, that line is going to do something good. Fair? Yeah, that's one of the best lines in the NHL right now. I w- I'm with you exactly. I understood the logic of putting Nugent Hopkins right beside Drysaddle for the last game. I got it. You want to try and find more balance in there. You want to get Leon going. I don't know that playing, uh, you know, Warren Fogel and Matthias Janmark beside Leon is going to get that done. No offense to those men themselves, but I don't know that that fits within their skill set to be there. So I get it, but ultimately that first line was so good that. 
I'm happy they went back to it this quickly. I, I think that they were playing so well together, that trio. And if the Oilers are going to win tonight, I, I'm 1,000% with you that there's probably one, two, or all three of those gentlemen are involved in, in getting some goals in the net. So I like having that trio back together. They've been so, so good. The chemistry is there, and they've been really, really effective when they're playing together. So I like it. I'm still concerned about the second line. I'm still concerned about the depth scoring beyond the second line, but I guess we got to take one problem at a time here. Yeah, that's all fair. Uh, over at Nation Headquarters, who's working hard and who's hardly working? Well, you know what? We are now getting close to that period between Christmas and New Year's where time kind of stands still. So if I'm looking around the office right now, I see a lot of people with their feet up, Al. You know, uh-huh. I think a lot of snacking happening, a lot of uh, baking coming into the office, a lot of chocolate coming into the office. So I think there's uh, there's uh, some sugar comas going around at HQ right now. Maybe I'll go around and start uh, clapping my hands or slapping two frying pans together and try to wake everybody up. We've still got a couple of days here to go, but... Yeah, we are fully getting into Christmas mode here. Though we do have a watch-along on our YouTube page coming up tonight during the Devils game, so if nice. you want to watch the game with the staff at Oilers Nation HQ, pop on over to our YouTube channel and you can make that happen. All right, beautiful. Have a great Christmas and a Happy New Year, sir. Same to you, sir. Thank you very much for having me. All right, there he goes, Bag Milk. We will not be talking to Bag Milk next week because this show is off next week. Is that right? Well, you won't be. Oh, so will he be back? Bagged milk will presumably still be on on Thursday oh. next week. Now, how it's going to work minute. is... The station doesn't just die when I leave? Well, it dies internally. Uh, it I dies see. internally. Oh, By the okay. way, I'm re- I don't think we ever introduced Brad there. He just kind of started talking. That was Brad. That was our executive producer who was on there for What's a What's his last name? Slater. I said his name. Oh, you did? Okay, I must have missed that. I apologize. But he was in. And uh, Oh, I called him Medic. Damn it. <laughs> I did. I called him Taylor. <laughs> no, that was Brad Slater. He's our executive producer. He responsible for Carl Weathers, Dan Patrick, Rob Vanstone, and uh, he's going to be in running things next week. Well, uh, you're away, and I'm going to be. Away I for apologize a bit. wherever Brad Slater is. I just have names in my brain, and I didn't call him Allison Curry. Uh, I didn't call him um, Clack, whatever his first name was. God, I got to be better on this. Like I'm a I'm a 62 year old guy who just called a guy who's a really good fellow. He got me like lots of great guests. I called him the wrong name. Where the hell's medic? Yeah, Does happen. he work here too? I don't think so. Okay, I think that one's a little, we're behind the times on that one. <laughs> oh my god, I gotta find the guy and apologize to him. God, well you know the one day I will introduce you. I'll say this is my friend Mrs. Andrews. Well, you've already introduced me as Connor Halley, so that, that that should do the trick. When I worked with when I worked with the Urem Chuck, I, I would I would wave it uh, uh, for the first month. I'd wave it to Wanick, and I'd say, "Come here, come here," and I would say, he "Goes yes, Al." What's the guy's name again? <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! When when I'm gone, when I'm no longer here, and you go. Wow, I wonder why that happened. This would be one of the reasons. Holy. Why didn't he correct me? Ah, he's just too nice of a guy. It was no harm, no foul. No, you it's know. wrong. I said it on the air. God, oh, that's okay. No, I feel bad No now. one's listening. <laughs> Don't worry about it. You're Comedy Central. You truly are. Okay, this is the Lowdown with Low Tide on Sports 1440. It's the Lowdown. Until 2 o'clock today. Brought to you by 
Wolf GMC Buick. Hurry in for GMC's Joy to the Ride event. No payments for 90 days on every new in-stock 2023 GMC and Buick. Ask for details, plus get $4,000 in Christmas cash. Okay. Taylor Middick is at the ranch. Okay. Uh, has done some play-by-play with Sherbert Park Crusaders. I follow him. He follows me. Brad Slater was in here earlier, and I was calling him Medic. So, I don't know. Apparently, Slater's left and is coming back, but not until I leave, which I totally understand. Will you apologize for me? Uh, absolutely. If I see him, I'll pass it on. Thanks, your M. Chuck. <laughs> That's too obvious. You can't do it after the conversation we just had. you got to do it like a it, day later. It's just like, I mean... We live in a society, and apparently I've decided not to follow the rules. You know? I mean, i got to get it together, man. Coming up with Jason Greger today, three packages for the month of giving from the Canadian Brew House, from Baseline Wine, and from Trilogy Oil Field Rentals. There you go. Well, I got that right, but it was written down. I'm at a point now where I probably need a handler. Somebody to whisper in my ear, we're doing the best we can, like Nancy Reagan did with Ronald. Oh, great. Isn't that me, kind of, a little bit? Apparently not, because you didn't help yeah. me with the Brad Slater problem. I didn't know it was a problem until I got back uh, behind the board. I thought it was peaches and cream for you guys. Good. You know, good well, no, I, I like him and he likes me, so it's yeah. all good. And he didn't call me on it, which he clearly should have. So he's a gentleman. But I look like an ass in this scenario, and I mean, that happens every day. I don't even know why I'm upset about it. You'd think I'd get used to it. So great to have all you guys on, especially LT, for us bit older guys of a certain vintage. That comes from Boreal Bernie. What's the, what's the most amazing time that you've seen the Northern Lights? Wow, that's a good question. I would probably say January 14th, 2011. That was a good one. Yeah. I, w- I did a... Um, well, we watched it together. That's what made it so special. Well, I know, but you you were a little handsy, but it was all good. <laughs> well, uh, I was driving from Foam Lake, Saskatchewan to, Sa- to Regina uh, after doing a town of renown in Flo- Foam Lake, which was what the radio station did where you would honor a town and you go out and you give them a bunch of stuff and a plaque. And they treated us so well. We didn't get out of there till after midnight. And we drove from Foam Lake. This was in the summertime. We drove from Foam Lake to Saskatoon. And the sky was dancing. I'll never forget it as long as I live. I was with my wife and my friend Gord. Uh, both of them have passed away, which is very sad. But I, I just remember thinking to myself, oh, my God. It, it, uh, it was... It was like magic, and it was it, like we stopped, and we, we I think we took pictures, but we also just were in awe of it. And then it got a little eerie, honestly, because you're out in the middle of nowhere, and nobody's around, and you're like, I wonder if the car's going to start, and it did. But amazing stuff. You were supposed to do... You were supposed to do a thing on college football and NFL. You thought you were going to sneak by without doing it. No, I didn't think that at all. Did we pick a time for it? Uh, yeah, we could do 140. You want to do 140? Yeah, we can Give do 140. Give you a chance to prep? Sure. We can do it right now as well if you want. It's it's whatever you want. 
Lalo, there is still magic in the world, my friend. Well, since we're at 126, let's take a break at the right time, All 135. Right. I'll make sure that's okay with Medic and with Slater. LT, you should arrive in a case like the Stanley Cup <laughs> from your caddy. I like that. I'm listening to Low Tide, and I'm still a Browns fan, so I'm not sure about the credibility. I guess talking about the Browns is off the table. I know only one other Browns fan. Love the show. I, I here, Here's what I will say to you about the Browns. They surprise me with their record because they've, you know, who's their quarterback? Well, right now it's Joe Flacco. Right. Super Bowl MVP right. Joe Flacco. So, that, like, if you're in the NFL and you're winning with Joe Flacco in 2023, you're a hell of a football team somewhere. Yeah, their defense is incredible. Like, that's just, like, that's the definition. It's yeah. like it's like you brought Vinny Testaverde back. Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. it's Yeah, that's probably the same thing, actually. I'll give you that one. I remember when they won the Super Bowl. That's Connor Halley, right? That was the Halman. Okay, yeah. all right. No, no apologies yet. I remember when they won the Super Bowl, and the the Ravens did, and I was watching NFL Network, which I love, and Deion Sanders kept saying to Joe Flacco, "You're going to get paid. You're going to get paid." And I worked with two Ravens fans, and I, the next day I said, "Yeah, Flacco's going to get paid," and they're like, yeah, "I know. We're going to lose everybody." <laughs> Because if you win the quarter, if you win the Super Bowl and you're a young quarterback who needs to be signed, that's is that close to heaven? It's got to be. Oh yeah, it's got to be right up there. Especially like I think for for the most part, like Joe Flacco, like he probably overachieved, right, based yes. on his skill set, and he got no. six years, one hundred and twenty million dollars. No. And then when that contract was up, I think he got like another three year deal for seventy million. Yeah. I would so say. to cap out the way he did with his skill set. Pretty impressive. You know, the here's the thing that I've learned as an Eagles fan about the NFL. When I was young, Roman Gabriel was the quarterback, and he was a veteran. He was an old guy. He played with the Rams forever. But he came to the Eagles, and he gave them some credibility at the position. They were still awful, but they weren't as awful. And then a little while later, they got Ron, Ron Jaworski. And Jaworski was a, was a good quarterback, but nothing close to great. But Dick Vermeil coached up the team, and they made it to a Super Bowl. But you always sort of knew that Jaws was wanting in some areas. And then they got Randall Cunningham. And Randall Cunningham, to this day, might be, I don't know if I can say the best athlete, because they've had Hurts and McNabb and others. But Randall Cunningham, do you remember, do you, do you ever see him? I've seen highlights of him, but oh never. Oh, my God. He threw the ball like it was nothing. He threw the ball like it was a bird he was releasing. I loved watching Randall Cunningham play. You know that Tecmo Bowl they used to do back at the old station? Yes, that was, that was a fun one. I'm not going to tell you who, who, but one of the one of the people involved in that always drafted the Eagles because Randall Cunningham was the quarterback, and he was like he was blessed by God, touched by God with that ability. Great runner, and Donovan McNabb was also. A, I think he's my favorite Eagles quarterback. I'm getting to my point. I'm getting to it. So go a few years after that, and 
they they've had some down years and some down moments, but they get Carson Wentz, and I was like, finally, got a guy gonna be here for fifteen years, be Troy Aikman, win multiple Super Bowls. I didn't think that, but I because I I never thought the Eagles would win a Super Bowl in my lifetime. And they won with Nick Foles. And you know what that taught me that year? When they won, they got to first place on Wentz, and they won with Foles. Quarterbacks don't matter? They matter, but they don't matter as much as we all think they matter. Interesting. Is that your, do you agree or no? No, because I would say that that Super Bowl was the, I mean, there are a few, but I would say it's generally the exception, not the rule. I saw Doug Williams win a Super Bowl. Trent Dilfer won a Super Bowl. Yes, he did. Crazy. But I, you know, there's a there's a there's a handful. You, you can know, count you know, on one hand the less than elite quarterback. You know why won. they won that Super Bowl? Because they went for it on fourth and six, and I think it was Zach Ertz who made the catch, and it was barely six. Oh my god! And then Chris Collinsworth, who I love as a, a commentator, that is such a nice sweater. I love Chris Collinsworth as a as a commentator. He made me so angry. I broke. So I'm not going to tell you what I broke, but I broke something in my house that night because. Ertz makes the catch. He's in the end zone, and then he loses the ball. And then Collinsworth does fifteen minute ripping ad lib on. I don't know if that's a catch or not. I mean, shut your mouth! Don't do this. And then they reviewed it, and they reviewed it, and they reviewed it. And the Eagles were up, and then they had another. I think they had a, a, a turnover, and they kicked a field goal, and the Patriots damn near won that game anyway. Oh my God! I was like a dish rag after that game was over. Merry Christmas, Tide, from Surveyor Brett, to you as well. And I've been reading you online on Twitter, and I'm glad to know that everything's going great. And I'm only a little jealous about the cooking and baking you're eating. Just a little. LT and Declan wishing you to a very Merry Christmas from Stretch and Farley. Oh, look at the dog. I'm telling you, that Stretch, you have a beautiful dog there. Merry Christmas to you as well. And I'm jealous that you get to, you get to hang out with Farley all day because he, he is a beautiful dog. And that is a great looking dresser over there. It looks like a, that looks like an old timey one. That's really nice. Look how happy Farley looks in this picture. I can't get over it. Well, Farley's photogenic. Oh, great dog. Flacco has the second most road playoff wins ever. Brady is first. Wow. I did not know that. But that's the defense, right? Well, like, again, I think there's something to be said about having a quarterback who can will you into wins. And if you have the second most playoff wins ever, I do do think that speaks well to what you are as a quarterback. But when you look at the totality of not even resume, because the resume is pretty good, but when you look at the totality of film, I, like, I don't think you can put Joe Flacco into that conversation. I think that's what this boils down to. Like, do you consider Joe Flacco an elite quarterback? No. No chance. Like, no, never. No. He's got, some great, he's got some great feathers in the cap, but overall, I can't do it. Lotai, do you remember past Oiler tough guys? Who was the first tough Oiler guy in the WHA? Langevin? Brackenbury? No. Um... Whenever I thought the question was going to lend towards uh, 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 Dave Brown, who was, my God, he was tough. Uh, I'm just looking it up now. Hamilton, Al Hamilton was tough. Doug Berry was tough. Mm. This is a really good question. Um, I 
I was going to say Bob will know the answer, but none of these guys planted trees in the north, so I don't know that he would. Um, let's see. Ken Baird had a lot of penalties, a lot of pims. Barry Long was tough. Barry Long was very tough. Ray McKay was tall, but I wouldn't say he was like the toughest guy. I don't have an answer for you. I know Dave Semenko was. Holy mackerel. Semenko was tough. And I don't say holy mackerel often, but when I do, I really mean it. Oh, Frank Beaton. It was Frank Seldom Beaton. I, I did, I'm going year by year, and I forgot totally about Frank Seldom Beaton. He was a monster. He was a monster. He played for the Rangers for a while, too. Yeah, Frank uh, Frank Beaton would, would be the guy that I would give you the name of. I'm glad I found that. Dave Brown. Dave Brown was... Now, I would never say anybody was ever better than Semenko. And I really respect the hell out of George Larocque. But if you're talking about all-time great fighters on the Oilers, you got to include Dave Brown. Guys, I just wanted to share my... Oh, i got to do this, and then we're going to take a break because we're talking college football. Boys, I just wanted to share my Aurora story. Actually, it was this past fall, just outside St. Albert, back in October. Full rainbow of colors were on display. Went out specifically with my mother-in-law so that she could see them for the first time. She squealed with delight. It was truly awe-inspiring, humbling experience. Mother Nature can teach us a lot if we're willing to listen. Love the show. Thanks, guys. That's beautiful. Well, I agree with you. They are awe-inspiring. I was going to do something on ironic, but I didn't want to catch my producer off guard. Well, I'm locked and loaded now. Yeah, yeah. I'm ready to go. What's the name of the album? Jagged Little Pill. Okay. Mm, one of the that was the album to my whole '96, my '96 and '97 actually. <laughs> you were born in '97, right? Yeah, around then. All right, we're talking football next. This is the lowdown with Low Tide on Sports 1440. It's the lowdown on Sports 1440. Oh, I wish you could have seen it. Declan was doing all the movements of that song to start. And then somebody walked by and he got embarrassed, but it was really good. The Lowdown is brought to you by Wolf GMC Buick. Best of the season to you. However you celebrate, we hope that you have a great time and enjoy yourselves. We have somebody else who wants to say hello in a kilt. One of your friends. No, but it is a good outfit here. I will yeah, no, it, it looks very good. Tide, what made you finally stop breaking things and chopping down trees? Merry Christmas from Coach Mike. And it says to everyone at Sports 1440. Um, I think I'm, I think I'm more mature now. Um, I think that I don't attach myself to wins and losses. Uh, the Taylor Hall era taught me that. I think that I, the last time I contemplated breaking something was the Eagles. The last time I contemplated breaking something over the Oilers was the period of time when I realized they had traded the other first round pick in 2015 for Griffin Reinhardt. But I'm over that now. I get angry over things like the price of pepper and... There's this kid who walks by my house who always walks on my driveway. So that bothers me. I, I guess I become more normal as a wingnut guy 
So that's good. I'm, I'm normalizing, which is terrific. Right now, though, I'm curious. I want to know what Declan thinks about the college football results so far and what we can look forward to, because I'm off next week. I'll have some time in front of the telly. What should I be watching for, sir? Well, Al, you have a lot to look forward to. I will tell you that. I would say next, like two. What I'm trying to think of the day, right? Yeah, so it'll be next week, and it'll be the 30th. That's when the games you really get up for start going. Like Ole Miss and Penn State are playing that day. Uh, Georgia and Florida State in the Orange Bowl, they're going to be playing that day. And Florida State is the one who's going to try and make their case. They're going to try and go out there and beat the brakes off Georgia. And what I think bodes well for them is that Georgia, in the past few years, has become a team that it's championship or bust, right? Like, now you have all these five-star recruits, all these guys who are going to be getting ready for the NFL or just don't have an investment in this game because it's quote-unquote a nothing bowl what's george's motivation going to be for this game like the one thing i would maybe think is to prove some kind of an sec bias but again like they're not playing for a championship they don't really care florida state's the one who said hey we were undefeated we're a power five champ we're going to go out there and we are going to beat the brakes off a georgia team and show everyone that we deserve to be there so that is the game to get up for you you keep saying beating the brakes off this sounds very violent are you well, using a big club or some kind of wrench? I, no, probably just a football and your your two feet, I think, is probably the way Florida State wants to do it. A little bit of hitting on defense, set the tone. But they, they're the ones with everything to prove. Because if Florida State goes out there and they get blanked by Georgia and they get run into the ground, which is very possible, by the way, everyone's going to say the committee made the right decision, and that would be revisionist history. It would not be the right decision because the decision had to be made based on the first 13 games prior to that. If Florida State rests 14 guys and Georgia has a full lineup and Georgia goes out there and kills them, everyone's going to say, oh, well, look, hey, they got it right. But that's not the case. That was not what the case was supposed to be built on. So I'm rooting huge for Florida well, State in that one. I want them to go out there What I'm hearing is that you are in the acceptance stage of that decision. Well, you've accepted I, it. You've moved on. It's you're, tough you're, to accept. It's no, tough no, to accept I, because I, it was the wrong decision, but it is what it is. I, I think can, two things I can, can be true. I can just feel your rage subsiding. It's calm now. You've accepted it. Well, and like, you're moving on. Good for you. You have to accept it. It is what it is. You haven't accepted it at all. All you did was bitch and moan for three minutes. You've accepted nothing. Did you hear yourself? I... <laughs> Well, you 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 are no, still listen. hammering it. I'm just saying. Well, I'm trying to I'm trying to think about it because the more I think about it internally, I think you're getting angry, right. aren't you? A little bit because no. like they were screwed. Cool. Can we That's do the a, only way? Can we explain to your mom what happened? Because I don't want her worrying about. Yeah, that. absolutely. What, you got a text from your mom when yeah Slater was on the air saying what, what happened? Where did you go? Yeah, so my mom, I don't think, listens very fr- frequently, but she texted me and was like, hey, why aren't you on the radio? And I texted her back and said, oh, hey, Brad Slater was in. He's going to be on wow. next week when I'm when I'm away, and uh, he's uh, just re-catching up on a couple things. So that was all that was. When you, would you talk to her again? I want you to tell her something from me. Okay. Say to her, mom, when I mentioned this to Low Tide, he said the following, 100% certainty, the first guy off this show is low tide, not you. The only reason... That's big. I can tell you that. The only reason that wouldn't happen is if you, like every other damn producer I ever have, end up winning the lottery and going to ESPN or TSN National or right. whatever the hell your M. Chuck's doing. Uh, that's the only way. Yeah. 
Which isn't out of the question, because let's face it, I'm a star in the making. Well, yeah. So, you know, and I think knows. your swimming gets you everywhere. Well, I don't know. I think I kind of get by on the strength of my college football, but I don't, know, I don't know how many college football networks are begging for a Canadian to come in and break down their so sport. So speaking of Canadians, who are Canadians we should be w- looking for? Are there any bowl games featuring Canadians? That's a question you don't have at the tip of your... Well, the one Canadian who really had the standout year was Alec Aomainer, Alec Aomainer from Stanford. He had a huge game against Colorado. Now, Stanford's not playing in a bowl game, but he's this kid out of Medicine Hat. He had an incredible catch. What's his name? Alec Aomainer. Okay. Yeah. He's an incredible wide receiver out of Medicine Hat. Had a huge game against Colorado, and that was when Colorado was Colorado. That was when the spotlight was on them. He went out there. They were still, you know, on national tee every game. Coach Prime was the talk of the town. Went out there, had an incredible game. I think he had over 220 yards receiving, two or three touchdowns, an incredible catch over Travis Hunter, who was the number one recruit a couple of years ago to seal the game. So he's a kid to watch for moving forward. And you know, you know, I have brother-in-laws who played football in Medicine Hat. Really? Yeah. It was a good ball down there. Yeah, no, it was. Uh, we, McCoy yeah, I, is a good, good team. I'm trying to think. I don't think I ever played a team for Medicine Hat, but it's a little, you know, it's a blue collar town, or at least I think it is. So, well, there's industry there. Um, yeah, it's a beautiful little city. It really is a jewel. Well, let me toss this one to you, Lou Tide. Like, do you have plans to watch any of the the college football playoff? Because Monday, January first, that's when the two semifinal games are happening. We're not going to be on air. You're not going to have much else to do. Do you think you're going to? You I know, will. Uh, I I'll, I'll watch. This is what I. This is my holiday thingy. Okay. Okay. I'll watch uh, Christmas Day. I watch NBA. Yes, have to. And then I I watch World Juniors. But my problem is, the Oilers don't have any prospects because they traded all their picks. So I'm going to have to watch either Murder, She Wrote, yeah. McMillan and Wife, or College Football. Will you be watching the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl? Mm. And I'll tell you why I asked that. Fighting Irish, Notre Dame, they're playing Oregon State. Well, what I think th- that game goes at... Noon on Friday the 29th. See, I'd have to check. That's how much they suck. They're not even on New Year's. <laughs> well, yeah, listen, that Oregon State team was competitive. Uh, that Oregon State team even was good. Don't even try. It, I, I'm telling you. And they're you, playing like, the Tony the Tuba Burger Bowl? Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl. DJ Ungle is a great, great quarterback for Oregon State. Like, that's a real that's a real game. That's a great quarterback matchup. Do you mean Tony Sam the Hartman. Tiger from Gas in the Tank? I think it's Tony it's, the Tiger from Frosted Flakes. That's right? what it is. Yeah. They're great. But that's going to yeah. be a fun. Like, there are three straight days or three out of four days of incredible college football. If you're a fan, it, it's never been. Like, there's no better weekend than this. What, is there a Captain Crunch Bowl? I don't think there's a Captain Crunch Bowl. I would have to, I would have to go back and check. I know there are a couple... Like some of them are so funny with the sponsor names, like the famous Idaho Potato Bowl. You've probably heard of that one. That yeah. one. I think Georgia State's playing in that one this year. I forget who they're playing. And then, it used to be like the Orange Bowl, the Rose Bowl. Well, we still have those. The USF and G Sugar Bowl. Yeah. Uh, there was like eight of them. The Fiat Tostitos Fiesta yes. Bowl. Was a big, now it's the Verbo Fiesta Bowl. That one is the one Oregon's playing in. Oregon's playing Liberty in that one on well, New Year's Day. Be a good game, yeah. Yeah, that is going to be a great. But the Rose Bowl this year. I mean, you're talking about the Rose Bowl. That's Bama, Michigan. That's the big one. And you, we've talked about this before, but you like Michigan. I do like Michigan. I think I think they're the best team in the country. 
I'm just going to let that linger for a well, minute. Well, I, I wanted to, I was, I was going to see if you were going to reply and give me any. Do you know, they play oh, in the division that Bob loves? Who, what does Bob love? The SEC. No, no, they oh, play in the Big Ten. Wait a minute. We've got a, we've got a controversy. Do, what's the controversy? Well, they're playing an SEC team. Have you they're never heard Bama. Bob talk about the SEC, about Bama and all mm, those guys? I don't listen to Bob too much. Well, yeah. I don't anymore because they moved him. Yeah. You know, rightly. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I, I, I'm interested in, in that game. If, if, if Michigan loses, that's going to be our first week. I'm going to harangue you. Yeah, but like, okay, well, the oh yeah, if you want to harangue me, I'll I'll take it on the chin, and I'll yeah, I'm I'm happy to discuss that and debate that. The bigger one will be is if Liberty beats Oregon in the Fiesta Bowl because Oregon was a team like they had two really close losses to Washington. You could argue this is a top four team in the country just based on talent. Now they didn't have the resume to get there. I'm not mad that they were left out. Oh, that's completely fine. I can live with that. But Liberty is a team that like. Yeah, I know they went undefeated in Central USA, but they're a team that's like talent-wise, you would think they're akin to like a JMU, and JMU is playing ah, Air Force. They're playing Air Force in their bowl game, and so Liberty to kind of get this special treatment. Like you, you look back at who Liberty beat this year, and I think off, like off the top of my head, their best win was probably Western Kentucky, just because Western Kentucky can arrow out the ball, and I think they only won that game by ten points. Like Liberty does not have a astounding resume. Is Liberty a religious university? I don't believe it is. Okay. You would it's not think, like that Oral Roberts one. No. You okay. would think based on their name it is, but I, I don't think it is. But, like, Liberty is really getting the benefit of the doubt here just on being undefeated, which is crazy because talent-wise, they're comparable to a team. Like I said, a JMU, who was in the top 25 rankings up until the last couple of weeks, and now they're playing Air Force buried in a bowl game that I don't even remember, and I'm the college football guy. And I just don't like that Liberty gets this benefit of the doubt, and now they get to play an Oregon team that's going to have no motivation that should probably be playing a team well, like Ole Miss or Penn State. Or. Liberty University is a Christian university in Virginia, and one of the alumni is Jerry Falwell Jr. Oh, so they are they are a religious school. But Nick Foles is too, so I can't, you know. Well, that's your guy. Yeah. That's your guy. Never you know fault. I mean? Never fault. But I'm telling you, there's some good games. I've, I finally pulled up the schedule so I didn't stutter my way through trying to remember it all, and there are some incredible games here. We're, we're in for a tree, low tide. So tomorrow we have declinations. Declinate top five bowl games. Is Yerem Chuck honoring us with his presence, or are we once again <laughs> getting punted? The plan is that Yerem Chuck will be. And will then be we'll have Lansky. Us. Was the uh, punted joke a feat thing? Well, a little bit. Okay. So uh, I'll tell you, one day we, I'm going to talk to you. Maybe I'll bring it up tomorrow. Yerem Chuck and I are forever attached radio-wise through a man named Tom Dempsey. And what happened when that name came up with he and I shall live in infamy, and I'll leave it at that. Now, what about the NFL game tonight? The Saints and Rams? Yeah, it's exciting. Yeah, so the Saints are just terrible, but they play... So you say. Uh, well, they're, they're pretty terrible. The Rams are goodish. I'll say that. But the thing is, the Saints have such a benefit of the doubt of playing in the NFC South. Like, the NFC South, we talk, like, every year there's a pretty bad division, and one division winner sneaks in, and that just happens. That's how it works. But the NFC South, that division might be as bad, at a, as, bad as I've seen it in a long time. Like, Derek Carr is horrible. I expect L.A. to blow the doors off them, and I listen, little... 
selfishly, I have to bench C.J. Stroud for fantasy playoffs this week, so I picked up Matt Stafford, hoping he has a big game. But it's just like the the Rams are a team that if they get into the playoffs, they they'd be a fun team to be there. But I can't see them making any real noise. If the Saints get into the playoffs and the strength of winning that division, they are going to get blasted by the fifth seed, whether it be the Eagles or the Cowboys, and that's that. Where's Mike Mayock now? Uh, I don't know. Off the top of my head. All right. Sorry. You'll, you'll apologize to Slater for me? Yeah, absolutely. I'll okay. apologize to Slater. All right. I think we've done enough damage today. I want you to know that Declan is a brilliant young broadcaster. And he wears a cardigan better than Perry Como did in his heyday. Ooh, say it again. I can't. I don't remember what I said. Jason Greger on the way. Thanks for tuning into the Lowdown. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Time for an update.